listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers, brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Nice. Doing great. Uh, yeah, look, I, uh, another episode uh, where you and I are going to... Uh, um, go otherwise guest free, I suppose. Yeah. I, I can play the guest. Oh. You, you, you can play the guest on this one, maybe. Sure, yeah. I'll play the guest. Um, but look, um, I think it's a really, really important topic that we're looking to cover today because you know there, there's no question in the world of of, of B two B marketing overall, and certainly uh, uh, manufacturing marketing in a B two B context, uh, account based. Um, marketing, uh, delivering account-based experiences, um, account-based advertising, et cetera. Um, it, it is, it's as hot as it could ever be. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you can include sales enablement and other marketing automation technologies in that same kind of tech stack bucket of things that are essential to do manufacturing marketing in 2022 and beyond. Yeah, yeah, and and I think as people are um, looking at, as they start to make investments in that area and, and build out uh, skill sets, etc., um, uh, there's a kind of a parallel um, thing happening in, in the realm of of, of privacy and um, uh, the impact of, of uh, privacy legislation, various jurisdictions around the world, and, and what does that mean for uh, as for marketers for our ability to uh, target and retarget and otherwise connect with our uh, target audience, and uh, it, it's a it's a change that's coming. Uh, and uh, you can't, you know, if people aren't connecting these two dots, they need to be, you know. Yeah, I, I think the one of the biggest problems is that this is on the radar of certain marketers that are out there. And it's certainly on the radar of the privacy community and the infosec community and, and those groups. And the and the ABM tech people are certainly <laughs> yeah I think they're they're aware of it and they're they're planning for it because or it's keeping and, them up and, at and night we'll, you know? and we'll paint the picture of why in, in a moment but you know I I think the general consumer and I include in that kind of people within organizations like manufacturing aren't necessarily aware of what's going on under the surface to enable some of these technologies that we have access to for the kinds of targeting that we want to be able to do to be able to go down to an account level and provide a certain type of ad experience. There's some stuff going on there that if you knew, you may not support it. <laughs> okay. Well, look, let's, um, let's talk about that really briefly. Let's talk about, I, I guess if you could explain to our listeners then kind of what is the current state of affairs? How do how does this stuff work today? How does ABA work? Um, uh, intent data, et cetera. Uh, how, how, how does that just, what's that landscape from a privacy uh, and permissions perspective today? Sure. So I, I think before you kind of get into the specific technologies, like intent data or, or account-based advertising, you, you need to understand what cookies are. And we all know now what cookies are thanks to GDPR, which was the um, European 
um, sanctions that basically limited the amount of information that you could track without permission. And this is why we have pop-ups on every single site asking you to enable cookies or just letting you know that, hey, cookies are happening, whether you enable them or not. But, you know, and, and whether or not those things are within the, you know, the viewpoint of, uh, of uh, following those laws or not, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, there, there's certainly people are aware that cookies are happening, I think. Um, what people may not realize is that there are different types of cookies. So when you go and you visit a website, that website can collect data about you. They know where you're coming from, what your IP address is, what browser you're using. They may be able to cross-reference that information against other information that they glean from another site um, and figure out who that company is. You know, this is Kula Partners. I know that because this IP address has been registered to other sites that have tracked that information and I can look up against that. And it's that third-party lookup that really is impacting where privacy is going today. So if you are using data that is coming from other sources, third parties, so ad tracking pixels on a website that are not native to that site itself. So that could be you know, Google's pixel for tracking. It could be HubSpot. It could be any number of tools that are tracking data across numerous platforms and numerous sites. It's those third-party cookies that they're looking to get rid of. And in some cases, that's already started to happen. Apple has come out at the forefront of this from a privacy perspective and said, we're not going to allow third-party cookies by default. You can turn them back on if you wish to be tracked. Um, but by default in Safari on iOS devices and Safari on the Mac, you're not going to be tracked. Firefox has also come out with a... Um, a slightly less toothy version of that. <laughs> um, but they uh, overall, they are certainly trending in that direction as well. And, and those would be the number two and three browsers after Chrome, which of course is owned by Google. And Google's revenue, as we all know, is from ads. You know, it's not, uh, it's not even so much the products that you might pay for, like Google Docs and things like that. It's, it's really advertising that that uh, makes most of the money for Alphabet, the parent company of Google. So they have been on a path to also remove third-party cookies, but they've been reticent, of course, because this is their primary revenue stream. So they need to figure out a solution that is different from third-party cookies. And for a while there, they were saying that they would have that solution implemented by this year. They originally said this in 2019, um, it's 2022 right now. They said it would be implemented now. Now here we are in Q3 2022, and they've pushed it out again to 2024. Um, what they were talking about moving from is uh, with third-party cookies where you're tracking things across multiple sites. They're moving to something they called a privacy sandbox and within that privacy sandbox, there was a federated learning of cohorts. So basically software that would figure out, you know, what cohorts you belong to, what your interests are, where you work, all of that kind of thing. Um, and that was known as Flock. Well, the Electronic Frontiers Foundation, a big privacy advocate in the US, um, came out and said, this is basically behavioral credit scoring. And it's no better. In fact, it may be worse than third-party cookies in terms of the private data it collects on you. So they've pushed back against that. And Google has said, okay, we're going to put Flock to bed now, but we're going to need two more years to figure this out. So we're going to keep running third-party cookies for now, okay? 
And now they're working on something called topics where basically they'll figure out what things you're interested in in some other way and make it separate from the personal identifying data. Right. That's the whole intent here. So it's like, basically, can we, can we change it and not fundamentally change the output at all? Like, can we, yeah. Can we say, can we build something that makes it sound like we changed it, but we still get all the same benefit? Pre pretty much. Is where they're almost trying to get to. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at what Gartner and others are talking about in terms of where this needs to go in order to get to a place where there still is web-based or digital advertising that has benefit to the buyers of such advertising. So the ability to target by interest and by intent or, or what have you. And, and really what they're, what they're talking about is owned data. It's funny because you, know, you and I have been talking about having your own digital home in some way, shape or form, not in relation to this, but in terms of, you know, not basing your platform on Facebook for your content. Owned, owned media versus uh, yeah. social or paid media, et cetera. Yes, exactly. So, you know, this is what they're suggesting the move is going to. So, you know, first of all, you really want to ensure that you're collecting good data you know, that is first person data. So first person cookies, basically, um, or first party cookies rather. And that means that anybody that visits your site, you should be trying to engage with them in some way, shape or form to get more information to enrich that data profile because you can do, you can capture that information for yourself. So, you know, using that to potentially illuminate more, um, potential buyers who might be a lot, a little bit more up funnel, you're probably going to need to do that on your own site. now. So maybe, you know, maybe that means capturing, putting out more content that is going to capture um, email addresses, right, right, building profiles like that and integrating that with your CRM, of course, so that, you know, any data that you have there and on existing customers who have purchased things on your site and, and all of this will all allow you to be able to have better quality first party data and then using things like surveys and other things like that to get more qualitative information to add to that. So once you have that, then what can you do with that? Well, currently the thinking is that there will become ways <laughs> to merge that data with a publisher's data. So perhaps it's a, uh, you know, a site related to your industry where a lot of content is published. Or maybe um, it's Google. Or maybe it's Google because Google, you know, Google is its own walled garden. Even though people use Google as a jumping off point to other places, they are allowed to capture where you go from the, your click on their search engine results page, whether that's an ad or anything else. If they own that property, they can collect that data. Well, there will become ways to interface your data with their data and then target the specific accounts from your own data while anonymizing the information you get back from the second party, Google. Um, Your data and the publisher's data, use that to triangulate against the target in a way that uh, doesn't enrich your first party data, but yes. uh, accomplishes your targeting objectives. Exactly. You know, it may become harder to personalize the experience once that person arrives at your site and you may need to kind of figure that out over time and begin to you know do that innovative individual recognizance um 
that's what you're going to have to work towards to get this to truly have kind of the level that we have now where we can say, you know, with cookies and with IP based detection and various tools like demand base or terminus or six cents or what have you, we can generally say, if I want to target Coca-Cola, I can probably get an ad in there that is going to be reasonably close to the target that I'm going for. That's going to become a little bit harder, especially for smaller organizations that may not have the traffic to build good quality first party data. So that that's going to become like kind of the issue that CRO was for sites without a lot of, uh, without a lot of um, juice, you right, know, right. you can't get enough people to actually see trends. Man, I, I just want to kind of, it's interesting just to recap a bit of this landscape. When we think about, you know, we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know the final solution that Google will end up implementing as a result of all of this. So, or how long it takes to get there. Right. So there's, they put, you know, they've uh, dog ate my homework. We've got to go back to the drawing board. That's already happened once. Who's to say that may not happen again. There could be lots of uh, pivots along the way. Um, uh, I think it's just important to note. We just, it's just something that's an unknown. Um, and it would be a fool's errand to probably try to predict in some ways exactly how that's going to function. Mm-hmm. But I think you could predict that people are going to push to greater private. That data. trend is clear. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But just how Google will eventually end up in a, uh, responding to that in a way that is uh, officially permitted uh, remains to be seen. And then the the how the first party and publisher data will come together. And, uh, and and uh, allow you to execute uh, more targeted uh, campaigns. That, as you just said, it still hasn't been built yet. That, that yeah, it's it's supposed that those things will exist, but they don't exist now. Sure, I, I think you can you can see a bit of the path ahead if you look at the way pay per click is working now, where they're beginning to lose some of that data because they can't collect as much as they once could um, because of GDPR and and other things as well as private browsers, which are still, you know, 20 plus percent of the market are, are, you know, Safari and Firefox combined. So especially on mobile, there's more people on mobile on Safari than on Android. So um, in terms of using the web, but you can currently use a bit more AI predictiveness within PPC advertising to choose who you're serving the ad to and and what you're saying. So that's kind of where it's being suggested that no, we won't be able to, you know, target your specific accounts if we can't integrate your first party data or if you don't have enough, you know, but we can tell you based on topics or, or whatever, you know, kind of we can let the AI choose but not give you direct access to it kind of thing. So um, th- there are probably solutions that are machine learning oriented that we don't yet understand that could um, impact this and uh, and kind of provide a privacy layer in between by using some form of obfuscation. But it's hard to know what that looks like. But I, I think, you know, you can kind of see a bit of what 
um, what's to come from the PPC side right now in terms of what's happening there. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. So you know, I'm trying to think of what else is the kind of the, so what of this, right? And one thing that seems to me is just, uh, jumps out is now that we have this extension, okay. Marketers can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief for the next couple of years. But we know that you know you, you need to uh, if you're trying to to be the type of person that plans ahead at all, which let's hope our listeners are those people. Um, then it seems to me that you're really in a two to three year race to collect as much first party data as possible. While while you're while you still have a bit more data collection options than you might have in the future. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you're going to need to think about why organizations would want to come to your site in order to do that, because you, you need to get them there in order to generate this data. So what's the draw? You know, I suppose if you're, you know, one of any of the number of um, amazing guests that we've had on this show in terms of the top tier companies with Rockwell and Schneider and TE and, and GE and those, you know, that just... You are a destination already. Mm. What if you're not and you're a smaller manufacturer in very niche category? You know, how are you going to create something that will be enough of a draw to balance out when the paid media maybe isn't bringing in quite what it once was? Mm. Um, you know, and we, we, it seems like it's really kind of what you seem to be suggesting is that. I don't know if we could say that content marketing ever kind of ebbs and flows. It seems like it's just been a constant uh, uh, bit of enthusiasm around content marketing, but it's certainly not a new idea now. But it seems like you might be suggesting we're breathing some new life into the notion of content marketing. I mean, if we've got to get people to a site to experience something, well, what they're experiencing is inevitably content of some description. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and you know what form that takes, you're going to need to understand your audience and it does that end up being video. Are you doing a podcast? Are you writing more papers? Are you making your product 3d models available, um, on your site to be downloaded? You know, all of those kinds of things. Um, it, and an emphasis on organic distribution of that content to try to, because you, you're not going to potentially be able to rely on paid as much in the future. No, no, you might need to uh, leverage social in certain ways, you know, um, to to get the word out and, and all of that and provide value through those channels, too. But, yeah, you're, you're going to have to build a destination and then, you know, you're going to really need to forge alliances with the developed communities, the quality communities where, you know, the signal is a lot greater than the noise. So, you know, I, I could see industry organizations, um, the publications that support, um, different, different niches and industries. These are the potential opportunity for them as well to create a very unique product, because I think the future may end up being rather than doing large media buys through central locations, you'll be doing media buys through individual publishing and community sites, right? you know, and targeting those specifically because you know that your users are there. So it's interesting to think of um, uh, this through the lens, of course, like uh, industry trade publications that 
have an online version, which is inevitably a crappy website that gets uh, over, just inflated user traffic stats pumped out to try to drive more uh, media spend. You know, if you get people that kind of get that kind of business model out of their head and 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 understand that if we develop a an audience here that we're going to have maybe a different way of monetizing it than we had before. Yeah. That's interesting. It might be a bit of a serious opportunity for those trade pubs to actually make the digital presence a real thing. Yeah. Because what else are they going to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, people, people will continue to advertise in their, in their print publications for some time. I'm sure. I mean, the death of everything was over predicted, I think, but you know, it's, it's going to be it's a hard game yeah and, tough and racket I think, a tough racket yeah it is a tough racket i think you will probably continue to see more consolidation in that space as publishers look to get more of their own first party data so that's not necessarily a positive that makes sense though i mean um uh, the data becomes what's what's um is the value really yeah yeah, yeah i think so and and i think you know, people are just like people demand to be sold to in a way that is as good a, an ex, a, as good an experience as it is on the consumer side. They're going to demand the level of privacy on in their um, you know business relationships that they expect in their personal relationships. And it, it's interesting to you know a corollary to this it would be um, email um software so sales enablement email software not um like mailchimp type thing mm. but a couple of years ago there was a company called superhuman that came out with uh email tracking features that are not dissimilar to what was in hubspot and any number of other um mail tracking tools um that showed you when your recipient opened the email it showed you where they were when they opened that it showed you what um, email client they were using and and what device and, and all that and i mean we've had that we had that feature up to that point for years with with hubspot and others um but once it came out at a consumer level <laughs> and people who were just gmail subscribers could put it in like it's not like a tool like HubSpot that costs hundreds of dollars a month, it's only going to be used <laughs> for good by businesses. <laughs> right. Yes. All of a sudden, it's used now by uh, you know by anybody to track anybody. Well, all of a sudden, people are completely livid about this, and rightly so. Mm. You know, this is private information that it's giving up. And interestingly, all of those features evaporated from all the other tools at the same time, very quietly, right. as well. And I think you're seeing now, you know, with email enablement and sales enablement tools like that, of diminishing usefulness due to bad data. I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, immediate opens on sending a, a HubSpot tracked email or something like that, that, you know, very obviously not, um, not happening um, you know, all of those kinds of things. So I, I think a lot of those tools are going to start to have to change as well. Um, because it will become, it become less reliable. So then, yeah. And as more organizations start to, you know, put in place measures that make them 
you know, yes, it makes them unreliable, but it also, you know, there will be places where you can't send a tracked email. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple of, um, since you're, we're connecting to email, let's start there. And I've got one other kind of comment around content, but uh, on, on the email front, I guess one of the similarities I, I think here is that, you know, we saw it when, when all of the, uh, you know, GDPR and all of that, that legislation started happening uh, around and here in Canada, it was castle. Uh, so you needed to have an opt-in email list. You couldn't just spam people, things like that. And, you know, it was at that point where, you know, somebody like Seth Godin looks really, really damn smart, right? Because he said for, you know, for, for a decade or more before that, way more than that, a decade before that, I think, he was like an opt-in email list that people want to receive yep. is... Community uh, of consent. Yeah, is, is the asset that keeps on giving. And in that moment, it's like, you know, people, you know, I, I know organizations that had uh, lists that they were just regularly spamming um, totally not opt in. And, you know, they they were shaking money out of the tree. There was a reason they were doing it. Right. And, and, you know, that, that quick money goes away and the people that were patient and built the asset over time, um, continued to reap the rewards. And here, here we have it again with first party data, right? That the companies that have invested five, 10, 15 years ago in understanding their, their customer data model, building it out, um, uh, connecting it to their target niches, et cetera, and, and really investing in that long before people even understood why they were. Well, those are the people that are going to really succeed. Um, but, but there's so few and far between. There's like a handful of them in any category, if that. Um, so... It's interesting to me that, that that parallel between email and uh, privacy uh, changes there versus now what we're seeing at the account level, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna change the um, the available properties. You know, what, what's worth what's worth buying now will, you know, will Facebook ads still make sense for some organizations? Maybe. Right. Right. Will organizations like Amazon, <laughs> who have a massive walled garden mm. of data, um, and you know, to their credit, you can't buy that data. You know, it's it's only for them to use. But they have like the ability to kind of leverage what they have and what they know mm -hmm. in an online e-commerce situation. It's it's pre pretty incredible what they've built. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you don't have to be particularly imaginative to start spinning on where that could go. Yeah, exactly. Um, Their dominance just becomes even greater. But I, th I think the you know it's up in the air a bit as to whether or not this is a successful thing for Google and for Meta and others. But fair. I think Amazon wins no matter what. <laughs> um, but but the last kind of piece I wanted to cover is just interesting. There's been a big movement of late, uh, frankly, largely driven by uh, account-based approaches um, that said, you know what? You don't need to gate your content. In fact, you can, you, you can on gate content, have uh, your target accounts interact with that content and you'll frankly know when they are. Um, and then you can uh, 
uh, you know, evolve your marketing uh, and communications approach to that target prospect accordingly. Um, so there's certain, and also, you know, whether it's just trying to drive people to consume more content, uh, taking the friction away and, and trying to get them to convert by other means, basically. So that's been the trend for the last, what, would you say five years even? Maybe more. I don't know. Maybe. I think so. I think people started talking. Yeah. I mean, there was there were always detractors from the idea of that inbound conversion, top of funnel, <laughs> middle of funnel, you know. So right. I think I think people have been talking about it for a while, but there's been a real push in the last couple of years to. Yeah. To I, I mean, 10 years ago, you would have never heard HubSpot suggesting not to get content. But then no. At, at, no. at a certain point, they were saying, you know what? Yeah, you don't need to gate everything. And, you know, so there was a change. No question. I guess where I'm going with this is, I wonder if this pushes us back the other way a bit. It, it probably says, it probably it probably t- says, if you're going to drive a significant audience to your site, the quality of content is going to have to increase substantially. Um, but maybe you need, maybe there's a, because of the data collection uh, desires, maybe you end up getting more of it. I don't know. I'm curious. What do you, Tell yeah. me if I'm right or wrong there. I, I think you're both. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that means I win, so that's good. I suppose. Um, I mean, from do we need to gate more content? Maybe. Do we need to gate different content? Absolutely. Like Maybe there's a different strategy employed where you get the long tail out of content by having it freely available after a certain period of time, but you know, new things are, are gated for, for a while. Like there's a lot of different ways you kind of think about how to, how to collect some, um, there's a know, variety of approaches there. It's uh, more just like, the, it, it, will there be more pressure to do it or not? Yeah. But I, I think it will, there will still be benefit to having content outside of your own, um, citadel fortress somewhat because you're going to need that in order to generate that organic interest. Um, so you're going to have to take a multi-pronged approach to it and maybe you choose what to gate and what not to gate. And maybe things that get gated are, are more high value, like a model or a CAD file or, you know, a spec sheet or something like that. But the white papers and things are more open and, you know, long form and linking into lots of those different assets and resources. So I, I think there's, probably a few ways that you're going to do that. Um, but yeah, you're going to need to, you're going to need to start capturing some of that information. And I think that, you know, and capturing it in a way that can be frankly organized, repurposed and is useful. I mean, but, yeah. I mean, this is not something that a lot of marketing organizations have tackled in a sophisticated way. No, no. And simply adding more fields to your contact forms is not necessarily a recipe for having data that you can slice and dice. Mm, yeah, it's not not exactly the road we're talking about. This is, look, this has been fascinating. Uh, uh, I guess thank you for letting me kind of pick your brain on this. I think it's just kind of a, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a huge change that's coming. And I think uh, it's just really helpful, I think, for, for manufacturing marketers to kind of have some insight into it and to be aware of yeah. it yeah yeah for sure i think it's it's probably going to get a little more difficult yeah <laughs> you know um until we figure out what the what the path is and certain things aren't going to be available that once were so Indeed. Um, 
It'll and, be fun. Anyway, and, then and then there'll be something else changing, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> All right. Cheers, mate. <laughs> cheers. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.